Uh, we're grateful that you are with us as well. Uh, additional greeting to anyone that's watching and listening to this later on in the week. And a special welcome today to any guests that we have with us. We have prayed for you this week, uh, and we are happy to serve you in any way. We really want this to be a low-pressure environment for you just to kind of relax and kind of experience uh, church at Centerway. Uh, but if there's any ways that we can answer any questions or anything like that, uh, feel free to see anybody that would be out on the stage or anyone with a lanyard that you see today. Uh, in fact, the next few minutes are primarily for you, our guests. Uh, one way that we hope to serve is by connecting with you. We would love for you to share your information with us. Now, I know that kind of sounds a little bit weird, maybe sketchy, uh, but the reason why we want that is because we want a way to connect with you so that we can serve whatever needs that you have. Uh, in the seat back in front of you, you're going to see uh, a physical info card. If you want to fill one of those out physically and put that in the offering box in the back, you can. Uh, but there's a second way that you can do that information exchange, and that's electronically. Uh, if you'd like to complete an info card electronically, you can do so on the Next Step page of our website, uh, or by using the Uversion app. And the instructions to use that Uversion app are up on the screen uh, right now. We love the Bible app or the Uversion app here, and it's so useful during the gathering in so many ways. Uh, you can follow along, you can take notes, you can even give that way if you so choose. Uh, you can also make Centerway your church. And if you haven't done that yet, I really, really encourage you to do so. I love going through people that have called Centerway their church, going through the, I'm so encouraged by the, the verses that you highlighted, the, um, the like pictures, the images that you create, all, all the cool stuff that we can do. And so if you haven't done that yet, I would love for you to do that. Now, I did mention giving through that app, and of course, we don't expect our guests to give by any means, uh, but if you attend regularly and you want to give, but you prefer not to give using the app, you can use an envelope in front of you and place that in the Centerway offering box or by going to the Give tab of our website. Now, today is week three of our Advent series, In Light and Darkness, and we're exploring the book of Ezra. Uh, kind of a unique way to go through Advent, but Ezra goes hand in hand with Nehemiah, which is the book in the series that we just finished as well uh, as what we'll return to in January. Uh, for this Advent season, Ezra's going to help us see the hope and grace of God, which is really what this season is all about, whether we find ourselves in a season of light or a season of darkness. Uh, we, of course, have resources for this series, so be sure to check those out. You can connect and engage throughout the week with them. We have beautiful wallpapers that Creative Team has curated. We're grateful for them. Uh, Spotify playlists, social media channels, Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals uh, that you can subscribe to on the website or by using one of those info cards here that I had mentioned earlier. Uh, if you're looking to take a next step in your journey with Jesus, you can visit the Next Steps area in the back or that page of our website. There's a number of ways to continue to learn to follow Jesus, and we just want to help you in whatever step you may be in that journey. Uh, we have a ton of exciting things happening this month. In the near future, you can check out the calendar page of our website for some upcoming events and activities. And just a couple things that I'm going to point out. Today at 3 o'clock, Centerway is hosting a Christian community choir called Grace Choir. Uh, they'll be giving a concert and will feature some familiar and some not-so-familiar songs. Uh, with special arrangements and guest musicians accompanying them. So again, that's today right here at 3 o'clock. Uh, we have a Christmas fun for kids and students during this month, so check that stuff out as well. 
And December 20th is our Christmas gathering, which we've been talking a lot about for a while now. It's going to be a really meaningful, relaxing, fun event together. Our kids and students will be singing. There'll be a brief message, a photo booth, um, cozy snacks and drinks. It's just going to be a great time and incredible atmosphere and ambiance. We encourage you to invite friends and family. In fact, you should see one of these cards uh, on your seat or a seat near you. Uh, if you do not see one of those, you can make sure to see one of us and we'll get those in your hands. Uh, if so many people are searching this time of year uh, for something true and something real, and we have that to offer. And so it's a fantastic opportunity to be on a mission together and invite people into the presence of God. Again, check out the calendar page for more info on that. Finally, if you have any questions at all, if you have feedback for us, ideas, or need prayer for anything, you can email us. That's the best way to get a hold of us. You can go to uh, connect at centerwaychurch.com, and that's the best way to get a hold of us. Now, here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Claude will be communicating from the Bible. Patty will be reading scripture uh, for us today, and then we'll respond to the word by worshiping through singing. Excited for today. Can we bow together our heads and just uh, ask God's blessing on what happens in this place today? Father, we are so thankful uh, that Advent season is a reminder uh, that to us uh, a son is born, uh, a son is given, a child is born, and the government will be on his shoulders. So today, Father God, I ask that those things that uh, we're worried about, those things in the season of our life that we're excited for, Lord, I pray that wherever we find ourselves, in light or in darkness, Father, may uh, your grace, your glory, your beauty be the thing that undergirds it all, that it rests on, Father. Let it be foundational to our lives today. God, I do pray for every detail that happens in this place today. But more importantly, I pray that you would do a work inside of us, Lord God. That we would take the work that you're doing to the world outside these doors, God, and do the thing that only you can do in a, a dark world that needs the light of Jesus to shine through be glorified in everything that happens, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. My name is Patty. And I'll be reading from Ezra, chapter 6, verse 8. Moreover, I make a decree regarding what you shall do for these elders of the Jews for the rebuilding of this house of God. The cost is to be paid to these men in full and without delay from the royal revenue, the tribute of the province from beyond the river. This ends the reading. Thank you, Patty. Just so everybody knows, there is an issue with the live stream today. Because that's the way things work sometimes. They don't work. Um, so, we always joke around about technology, right? Uh, so, I'm only saying that because if the screens do something weird, just do your best to not be uh, distracted by that. It's for the benefit of those that are uh, watching online that chose to stay in bed on this rainy day. And the Lord will judge them harshly for their... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Um, hopefully that works out for our friends that are not able to be in this space. And uh, so grateful for people working hard to make sure that that works out. Oh, we're good. All right. Boom. They solved it. Turns out it's not a problem at all. I don't know why you guys are even talking about it. 
So, uh, welcome. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Claude, and my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway. And we're so excited that you're able to be with us both in person and those that are joining us online. Hopefully those online are able to hear it now. And uh, <laughs> my voice is filling the space that you're in. It's literally like the dreams of my wife fulfilled. Uh, anyway, so uh, we're, <laughs> we're continuing in our Advent series, um, which is entitled, as has already been mentioned, uh, In Light and Darkness. In Light and Darkness. It's an overview journey through uh, Ezra. And so we're kind of going through specific verses as we go through Ezra. And we chose Ezra because we just finished a series through the first seven chapters of Nehemiah. And we'll conclude that that book actually in the new year in 2024 will conclude Nehemiah. So make sure you hold on to that scripture journal uh, if you still have it. Um, and then it, it seemed kind of fitting for us to spend our Advent series in Ezra because if you don't know, uh, Nehemiah and Ezra are linked. And if you want, you can always uh, check out on our previous messages that explains more in depth on our messages page of our website or through our podcast. And so you can kind of connect some of the dots. I won't belabor it uh, for those that have been journeying with us. But uh, for the sake of today, today's talk is entitled, We Build, We Build. So in light and darkness, we build. Uh, in this holiday season, you might find yourself in light, in a, in a good season. And uh, you might actually find yourself in a darker season. Maybe this season uh, is specifically heavy for you or more difficult than typical. Uh, it's always interesting to me, um, and I don't mean interesting in like a looking in type way, interesting even within my own heart and mind, how the holiday season can be really joyful and at the same time be really painful. And uh, if, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. There are seasons where uh, there should be somebody else at the table. Or there's a season where you feel far more lonely than you anticipated. Or a, a level of heaviness. And it's, it's just interesting how the holiday season, the traditions, the memories, it just seems to accentuate all of that. And so I want to acknowledge that. I want to take time for, for you to realize that we understand the, the difficulty that you might be feeling if you're in that season and that we want to walk alongside you in that darkness. And to let you know that whether you are in light or in darkness, God is present. He's present. And, and we are present to the best of our ability and to the best of your willingness to allow us to be present. And so I think, uh, I think we all have dark seasons. I know that we have different types of people that are in the room today that are even joining online at different points of their spiritual journey, whether they're entirely uh, new to their faith, maybe they're a skeptic to the existence of God, all the way up to committed followers of Jesus and everyone in between. And in the midst of that, I think sometimes there's uh, this false sense that if you're in relationship with God, that there's no more heaviness. The difficulty just goes away, that there's no more pain or suffering. But the fact is we live in a world with imperfect people and difficulty is a reality. The difference is those that are followers of Jesus have a hope. They have a peace that passes all understanding, a joy in the midst of difficulty. And so regardless of where you find yourself, we all have dark seasons. For some reason, and I wish this wasn't the case, Darker seasons seem to last longer than light seasons, right? Doesn't it seem that way. I don't know. I don't know if it's just because they're heavy, and so because of the heaviness, it just seems like when am I going to get out of this? It's like I keep getting hit while I'm down. Whereas those joyful seasons, it's 
It's like they come and they go. You can look back on them with fond memories and joyful thoughts, but it's like they come and they pass, but those heavy seasons seem to be longer. I've had my share of, of great seasons as much as I've had my share of difficult seasons. And I've definitely had incredible moments, right? They're, it's interesting how you look back. The, the older you get, the, the more sensitive you are to those joyful moments. When I was younger, it was like something was great, you just flash back like, oh, that was awesome, and then you just move on. It seems like as you get older, it's like you want to snapshot this moment. It's like you understand this moment is amazing. Um, and so it's interesting how you start to enjoy incredible moments more. You're more cognizant of them. In fact, I want to start today's talk by asking you a question that's in line with that main of thought. And the question is this. What was your last too-good-to-be-true moment? When was your last... What was... Sorry, not when. What was your last too-good-to-be-true moment? And I know for some of you, I, I'm leery to ask those types of questions sometimes because I know for some of you, I've just lost you for the remainder of this hour. Because <laughs> you're like, what was it? I don't know. And you're like, what do you think? I'm like, eh, no, that's a terrible day. No, I thought it was awesome. You know. So do the best that you can to bear with me. Maybe write it down or think about it later and re-engage it. Because I, I, I want to share with you first the reality that there are those moments, that we all have them. And I want to share with you a moment that came to my mind right away. It may not have been the last moment of like, this is too good to be true, but it's one of the most memorable ones of recent, to where when I thought of this, it just popped right in my mind. Um, we had an opportunity to get away on vacation during the summer, and as we got away, uh, Meredith and I were talking, and our, our whole family is uh, our Orioles fans, because, um, because we read the Bible. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but their farm team used to be in Rochester, so it resonates with all of us. Uh, the, uh, in any case, we are Orioles fans, and um, we had an opportunity to go to kind of coordinate an Orioles game into our vacation. And we were going to be in the Baltimore area, and we thought, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's go as a family. We had gone when the kids were very young, before Gideon was born. Um, my daughters refer to that as the, the wonderful light season of their life. No, I'm just kidding. He's a blessing, and they all get along great here for us. But um, we just thought, you know what, it'd be great to go as a family. Everybody remembers it and stuff. And so we, it just fell into place. It was perfect. It was an absolutely beautiful day. It was almost too beautiful, like clear sky, blistering heat. Um, but it was amazing. Like As you're there, uh, Oriole Park is just absolutely beautiful. It's so family-friendly. And everything was kind of going right. It was just one of those moments where you look back and like, this is amazing. Uh, all the players that we want to see are playing. Um, all the pitchers are pitching. Like, just amazing. And then they win. And there's fireworks at the end. And it's just great. And they announced one of the things that we knew is there was an opportunity for the kids to run the bases after the game. So it was one of those times where the kids could go right down on the field and run the bases. Elise is a little bit too old for that. So um, it was just the two younger ones. So uh, I said, well, I'll, I'll go out and and wait. And so I go out, and as I'm leaving the stadium, what I don't realize is that you go out, they're not going to let you back in. And so I was like, oh man, I think, like I just missed an opportunity to kind of mill around and be there. And I was like, it's fine, they're going to have an experience. So what I had envisioned is me kind of outside the stadium, the kids get let in, they get to run around, they come back out, you know, and oh well, that was, it was still a great day. 
Instead, all of a sudden, I'm getting these texts from Meredith, and this guy's making an announcement. I hear people talking, and the way they do it is you actually go back into the stadium with your kids. You get filed down once the stadium's empty, and you go down in the field, and you let your kids go at first base, but then you walk around the bullpen and behind home plate, and when they get to home plate, you get your kids. So I'm going to be down on the field, which is like childhood dream. Like, all of a sudden, this goes from, like, a great day, I'm bummed I can't get back into, like, I'm going to be on the field. And it was amazing. We're just out there. We go in, and thousands of kids, and uh, we get filed in, and sure enough, we go right down, and my wife was elated for me, taking pictures and stuff. Like, I I got to go down on the field, walk past the bullpen, stand behind home plate, just take in the whole field. Um, And it's uniquely remarkable, because when I was down there, they were like, will you play for us? I was like, no. I'm doing the work of the Lord. And they're like, please, Claude. I was like, I can't. I cannot. We will be millions. I have to end the story because it's getting really stupid. But uh, the fact is, it was one of those too-good-to-be-true moments. It was like just everything falling in place was down there. It was a childhood dream moment. And so I'm sure you've had moments like that. Like, this is too-good-to-be-true. This is remarkable. Today's text is about one of those moments. One of those moments for the Jewish exiles as a nation. Collectively, they have this, it's too good to be true, moment. And uh, in fact, let's reread the verse that was just read. It's verse 8 of chapter 6 of Ezra. Verse 8 says this. Moreover, I make a decree. This is King Darius. I make a decree decree regarding what you shall do for these elders of the Jews for the rebuilding of this house of God. The cost is to be paid to these men in full and without delay from the royal revenue, the tribute of the providence from beyond the river. So there's some things happening here that are important to understand why this is a too good to be true moment. The, The verse is rather straightforward. It's pretty, what it is is what it is. So there's there's no layering of unique perspective or anything. It's just this incredible moment of God. A little bit of context if you haven't been with us. The people of Jerusalem have been in exile. They return home and they build an altar. They build an altar to the Lord so that they can begin to uh, make sacrifice and be in right standing with the Lord. And in the midst of uh, finishing the altar, they then lay the foundation of the temple, the place that will house the Lord so that they can worship Him. And and if you were with us before, you know there was this amazing cheer where the entire nation just celebrates at the provision of God and the anticipation of what He's going to do. And there's this incredible season of light, this joyful, overwhelming moment where we're like, listen, we were in exile, but God is at work. And then, boom, opposition. Difficulty, Right on the heels, they're told that they need to stop building. That although the foundation has been laid, they've begun to build, they need to cease. And it lays there undone for over a decade. The people of God are saying, we know you're real because you've taken us from this place of pain. You've taken us from this place of exile. You brought us to this place. You started this ball rolling. It was like we heard your voice, God. You were doing something and then... Why? What is happening? A season of darkness, opposition, and struggle. 
until, right? That's what we talked about last week, until. There's this moment when King Darius, where we pick up the story today, King Darius is reading in the beginning part of chapter 6, he's reading in the House of Archives, basically a library that kind of keeps all of the decrees of previous kings. And if you don't know, Ezra is a historical narrative. And so it's not simply a narrative with the provision of God, it's a historical narrative. And so they're talking about history being played out with these different kings that are making decrees. And so he's in the, the House of Archives and he sees a decree by a previous king, King Cyrus. And in the midst of reading that decree, the entire nation of Judah has a too-good-to-be-true moment. King Darius says, we're making good on that decree. The building is stopped, but I'm saying today, Cyrus said for it to be built, it will be rebuilt. And so begin building. In fact, not only are you going to rebuild the temple, but it's going to be completely paid for. We will pay for it. And we will also get daily provisions. He just keeps stacking on top of it. Like, listen, everything that you have dreamt about is going to come about. Now, for those of you that are wanting, there's a little bit of, of historical conflict as to whether they actually use the funds from uh, Babylon to, to fund it, or if they're actually using previously collected taxes from the people of the Jewish nation and they're giving their money back. In any case, the present day people are not having to incur an expenditure. It's just the provision of God on them to build the temple that they've been praying for. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. Something that had potentially died in their hearts, this thought that God was doing something and then it just stopped. Now all of a sudden, boom, God is at work. So get this. It's kind of obvious, but let me say it succinctly because I don't think we really, maybe we understand this, maybe we just don't like it. God did what he said he would do and more, okay? He did what he said he would do and more, but it was not according to their timetable. It was God's timetable. We hate that. We hate that, right? If we're honest, if you've been in a relationship with God for any amount of time, you can say with your spiritual voice, like, whatever God wants and whenever he wants it, brother. But the reality is, it's like whatever God wants, as long as it is in line with what I want, and he can do it whenever, as long as it's when I want it. <laughs> like, that, that's the way in which we function. That's the reason why we have frustration. That's why we question the existence of God. That's why we have tension within our hearts and lives. Because, like, God, we want this, and we want it our way. Why won't you do it? Why won't you do it? Hear me. If you're in a difficult season, be encouraged. Be encouraged. God is at work. God is at work. It's just not according to your schedule. It's just not according to your schedule. But he's at work. And in some cases, he's redeeming the things that have taken place. And in other ways, he is making a promise that he has resolved the things in eternity that your heart is longing for now. Right? We were not created to experience and know death. It's the fracture of sin that brings death. And so even in moments of death and despair, we have to realize that God has resolved the pain that we're feeling. We just want it resolved now because of our hurt. 
So there's layers of that which God has resolved and we're in this plane feeling the tension of the pain of functioning in a fallen world. Sometimes we believe God has placed something in our heart. A desire. A promise. Something that is in line with His will. Like I've made it clear before, I think sometimes we impose our will onto God. You know, like, this would be amazing. I could escape all this difficulty. That's probably what God's asking. God's probably in that. (laughs) I don't mean those. I'm talking about something that's in line with Scripture, that's clear. God has called us to do something. It's in line with His will. And then, we don't see it come about. Nothing. Like, but we know God is for this. Why don't we see it? In this world? Why isn't God doing what we know that only He can do? And we live in that tension, in the pain points of that tension. In fact, sometimes it's not just nothing. It's not just God is doing nothing, according to us. It's actually worse than that. It seems Like there's opposition and difficulty. Like, not only is God not doing anything, it seems like he's doing the opposite of nothing. Like, things are worse and he's letting it get worse. Ah! Is God in control? Quick, I'll help him. I think he's got it. I think he's got it. The Alpha, the Omega, beginning and end. The the one that wove you together in your mother's womb, that knows you, the deep recesses of your heart and mind, that hung the stars in the place, that put the moon and the stars and the sun and everything. I think he's got it. I know you're nervous. He's good. But we're right there feeling the tension. And sometimes it involves hardship. And all the time it involves patience. Which I feel is kind of like a Christian swear word. (laughs) It's okay. Just have patience. I can't believe you just said the P word. But it's tough. It's tough to be patient. It's tough to to sit back and and relinquish control. Because that's really the tension that we feel. There's a sense of control. The need to be the Lord of our own lives. To be the one that's deciding what is right what should be done, what ought to be done, instead of having patience that God is at work. That's right where they were. That's right where they were at the beginning part of chapter 6. It's, it's where the nation of Judah was, right at the beginning of chapter 6. How long will we have to wait? You have to remember. Listen, you might think you have it tough. And I'm sure that you do. There are legitimate difficulties in this room. There is significant, real pain. I am not diminishing that. If you think I am, you're believing a lie. But I'm saying, if we look at history, if we look at the exiles, these are people that have been enslaved. A majority, if not all of these people, no, a majority, not all, we know that. A majority of these people were born into slavery. They don't even know what freedom looks like. They are exiled from their nation. They are, they are submitted by an entire nation to just function according to their will and their way. And all the while they're praying, God, would you do a work? God, would you do a work? And all of a sudden they experience this freedom. 
So if you can imagine for a moment, they experience freedom, and they have all the same pains and difficulties that you do, as far as lost loved ones and suffering and, and needing all the things that we need to survive. They're feeling all that pain, and they're coming in to their home of origin, and it's in ruins. It is destroyed. It's leveled to the ground. All that they know for those that knew freedom are destroyed. They begin to rebuild, and they think, this is the moment. It's the moment we've been praying for. We've been believing God is at work, and they cheer, and they scream, and then nothing. Stop building. Ezra tells us they came by force and stopped them from building. They've got to think, God, can you just do half miracles? Like you brought us, what, you brought us from exile to, to what, die in our own destroyed nation? The pain and the difficulty, the belief that maybe God has dismissed, but that's not what they do. That's not what they do. Even in the midst of the difficulty, they continue to press in. And so I think there are two things that we can notice and learn from this very simple verse. First, it took a small thing. It took a small thing. Darius just read Cyrus's decree. You see, when we've been in the darkness for so long, we tend to think too many huge things need to fall into place for God's promise to come about. We get overwhelmed by the despair. We get overwhelmed by the darkness. We look around and we say, nah. No, we're, we're in the vortex down. There's nothing that could change the circumstances. There's nothing that could get better. There's too many major things that need to take place. In fact, I can do my best to try to play God and change those big things, but I don't think I can do it alone. And we know God has called me to change all of eternity. But that's not biblical. That we can actually rest in what it is that God is doing. Things, sorry, this microphone is driving me nuts. I don't know if it's too close to my face or what. I don't know if you hear it the way that I hear it, but I'm about ready to whip it across the room. So if I keep touching it, just bear with me. <laughs> things have to fall into place. We think all these huge things have to fall into place for God's promise to come about. But if all these things fall into place, then God can do what it is that he said he could do. But that's a lie. It's a lie. God can use just one small moment to turn absolutely everything around. That's it. We have example after example after example throughout Scripture where it was this way, God intervened one thing, and then whoosh, everything different. And all of a sudden, God's will is enacted. The people... In exile, they're sitting there saying, I don't see how we turn this one around. Here we go again. Will this be decades? Will this be centuries? How long will we sit in this place of ruin without a temple? And it was nearly two decades, but all of a sudden, at a moment's notice, Darius reads a decree and says, we got to make good on that. In fact, I'll pay for the whole thing. In fact, your daily provision." In fact, get started now and don't stop until it's rebuilt. What? Just in a moment, one small thing. Listen, is it possible that you are one small moment away from seeing God's promises come alive in your life? 
It's impossible. It's just one thing. And that all of your controlling and all of your striving is just wasted sideways energy because God who is in control hears and answers our prayers in His timetable and according to His will. Would we just rest in that? In this holiday season, would we just rest in the realization that God is at work? You know what? I admittedly don't spend very much time on social media. But every once in a while, I will have things shared with me. And I will share things because they're hilarious. I, I feel like the social media season, for some, it's like, oh, this is terrible. I'm so stressed out. and I'm playing you know, competitions with other people and comparing. And all these people have the best version of their lives and all this stuff. And they feel all the stress and tension. I feel none of that. Because like I, I just don't even care about any of it. What I love is that social media has the most entertaining things I have ever seen in my life. And so I use social media simply to laugh. That's it. Like, and I know that there's all different types of people, but I will have things shared to me, and I am immensely entertained. One of the things that I don't understand why people are doing this, and I have had different people share videos with me. There's this thing going around where someone thought it would be a good idea to put rubber bands around watermelons. Have you seen this? Yeah. It's remarkable. If you haven't seen it, I mean, I'm not going to tell you to Google a lot of things. Google that. Because you will laugh hysterically. And it involves people getting watermelons and putting rubber bands. They put rubber bands over these watermelons and they're like sitting there doing it and doing it. And then all of a sudden it gets to a point where there's this band of rubber bands around this watermelon. And it's almost like an eight. You know what I mean? Like there's this, it's like shaped like this. And it's getting tighter and tighter. And I'm like, oh my goodness. What are you doing? And they're like getting distracted. They're like, <laughs> and you're like, it's gonna blow up. Like this is the moment. It's gonna split in half. You know. And the first time I watched it, I didn't even know what was gonna happen. Is it just gonna slice this thing in half? In half or what? And so like they let it go, and you're watching. You're like, it's so funny how you get like trapped in those moments. You know, when you're watching a, a, a clip or something, you're like, oh, and you kind of realize. And the best ones, the best videos, are the ones where they let go of the rubber band, and they're like. And they relax, and then you relax, and then it go, boom, and it just blows up. Completely unexpected. These things, they blow up, and shards of watermelon slap people in the face, fly across the room. Why are people doing this? You know what I mean? They're like, listen, I watched the first video. Mine's going to be different. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? It's just for my entertainment. But the, the point is this, and there's a point, I promise. There's something happening. And all it takes is just one rubber band. It just takes one small rubber band. You see, sometimes in the heavenlies, in the things that we don't see with our eyes, God is doing something. And it's just one small rubber band away. But we think, no, 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 there's too many huge things that need to happen. There's no way that watermelon could just explode. Like it's rind is too strong. It's way too resistant. There's too much that I could do to just make it explode without something in my hands. But it's just one tiny rubber band. Click. Boom. Changes everything. We're one thing away, possibly. Is it possible that you are just one small thing away from seeing a breakthrough? From seeing everything change? From the, from the darkness to go to light. From one of the valleys of your life to, to one of the mountaintops to say, I, 
I can't believe this. It's, it's too good to be true. God is faithful. The problem is, we live for the mountaintops instead of realizing God is faithful through the valley. Amen. Could we just get our hearts and minds set on the reality that the joy comes in the faithfulness and presence of God? That even in the darkest of moments, God is still at work. At the mountaintops, they're mountaintops, but God is still at work. That we would find a steadiness in how it is that we find joy and peace and say, but God is at work. And so whether this is the darkest moment of my life or the, or the lightest moment of my life, you are present. And so therefore, you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be worshipped. And we find contentment and peace in the faithfulness of God. So the first thing that I think we can learn is it takes one small thing. The second thing that I think we can learn, and the final thing that I think we can learn, is that they were ready to build. That's important. It's important they were ready to build. What does that mean? It means a, a group of people that had experienced decades upon decades of, of seemingly no answer from God. See, the provision of God, valley, mountaintop, and in, in a short decade and a half, suddenly they're told they can build and they're ready. They're ready. I don't know about you, but I would be like, hey guys, it's probably going to be a couple decades. So I'm going to go farm outside of the city. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to get away from the crazy. Find a little homestead on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Set up my little, I mean, don't get me wrong. Nothing like that's happening in our society today entirely different setting. Um, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna get away from it all because I just can't deal with the stress of all of this. That's all they did. That's all they did. They leaned in, they remained present. They said, God is at work. God's at work. So I don't know when, it might be tomorrow, but I'm ready. I'm ready to build. Oh it's not oh, turns out it wasn't today. It'll probably be tomorrow. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the breakthrough? If, if God opens the door that only He can open, are you ready to walk through it to further what it is that He's doing in your life? And I want to tell you, what He's doing in your life has less to do with the worries and cares of this world. It has more to do with the discipling of others to come and follow Jesus. It's an eternal mission. That's why we were created, was to give glory to God, to enjoy life with one another, and to make disciples. That's what it is. The gifts that you have are to further what it is that he's doing in the church, corporately, so that we can link arms. The reason we exist is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so it becomes really hard if you're like, oh, no, no, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure God created me so that I could get that promotion. And so I'm really waiting for God's answer to prayer for me to get more money because then... Yep, that's it. That's pretty empty, right? That's pretty meaningless. And the proof is, when you get that, you want the next one. When you have something, you want more. Why? Because you're searching for meaning, you're searching for love and approval in all the wrong places. And so when we find a place where we are content in who God says that we are and we function according to His will, so that when He opens up the door that only He can open, we're able to walk through it to further His kingdom, to, for His glory and our joy. There's a reason why, I, I wish I, I would have looked at the statistics, it's an insurmountable percentage, I'm sure somebody probably knows it, the number of people that win the lottery only to go bankrupt. 
There's a reason for that, right? You're like, oh, I got all the money. Finally, joy and peace. I spent it all still alone. What are we running after? How many examples do we need until we realize that this world has nothing for us? That scripture is kind of right. Meaning, totally right. We're here for a short time and that our purpose and our meaning is far more deep and meaningful and powerful when it's attached to eternity rather than temporal. God opens the door that only He can open. Are you ready to walk through it to be a part of it? Or would you just have excuses as to why you thought it was impossible? <laughs> I never thought God would do this. I mean, I'm at a place I'm not even ready. I didn't ready to walk through this. They were prepared because they were anticipating a move of God. Are you anticipating a move of God? Are you believing God will do what only He can do? We don't know when the breakthrough will come. So we should diligently be obeying God's word. That we would be daily renewing our mind with scripture. That's what Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2, that's what it's talking about. A, a leaning in and an obedience to God's word, knowing and resting in the fact that he is at work on his timeline. And that's not just good, it's better than your version. It's better than my version. Suddenly, it was time for them to build Suddenly. Are you ready to build? You may say that that's a nice thought, but where is God now? I have really good news for you. He's with us. He's with us. God is with us. That's what Advent is all about. God with us. God has come. Jesus has come. He has come and stepped into time. God is with us. He is present. And Psalms tells us that he will walk through the, valley, through the valley of the shadow of death. So we're walking through dark valleys, but we are not alone in the midst of the valley. So that even in the darkest of moments, you're still not alone. God is present. Even with tears running down your face and the brokenness, and you're wondering, when will the breakthrough come? What is it that God is doing? Has he forgotten about me? No, he hasn't, and he is present with you. God knows our brokenness. He knows the struggle. He knows what it's like to feel the sense of being alone, marginalized, forgotten, the heavy heart, the mourning, maybe the loss, the wondering. In fact, He knows it so well that He sent His Son. That's what the Advent season is about. And his son willingly went to a cross and died alone so that we would never be alone. He resolved the greatest tension of our lives. He resolved that which we cannot accomplish. The sin issue of our life that allows us to connect with God so that even in our darkest of moments, he is present. He went to a cross so that darkness is just a season. That's it. It's just a season. Make no mistake. Jesus will do the building of his church. He will do 
that which he said he will do. He will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what scripture says. The question is, will you participate? Will you participate or will you be so busy building your own kingdom that in the end will mean nothing in eternity? But but God, I was so busy. Look at what I was doing. I was trying to create a a stable home. I was trying to provide. I was was doing all these things. God, look at what I was doing. God's like, you're, you're buying in. Buying into the rhythms and the heartbeat and the cares of this world. But God says that we're aliens, that we don't even belong to this world, that we're here in order to make disciples. And, and we've, we've bought into the lie. Instead of being extensions of peace and grace and mercy in the holiday season, we're just distressed. We're just as broken. We're just as poor. We're just looking around. How can I spend more money to get more stuff? How can I do all the things that everybody's doing? How can I get more? Like, oh my goodness. It's bought into a lie. What are you building? Listen, we are being built by God in order to be builders. The previous series, being built, we are being built to be builders. What and where are you building? That's tough. It's tough and it's heavy, and I hope that it's tough and heavy for you. It's, it's tough and heavy for me, as I'm thinking about it, because there's areas of my life where I'm building in, in spots that in eternity don't matter much. And I'm looking around at what it is that my kids are prioritizing, and I'm thinking, man, am I modeling that they should build there? God forgive me, because that doesn't lead anywhere. Why are you building there? It's tough. And, and I, want, I want the gospel to step on your toes. I want it to wake you up. I want it to shake the foundation of what it is that you've begun to establish. Because the last thing I want is for you to build something that in eternity matters nothing. And to stand back and say, but I gave it all. I, I will not stand before God and say, oh, well, I, just, I told them what they wanted to hear. No. Let's, let's talk about some stuff that none of us wants to hear that's scriptural, and then let's wrestle with the reality that maybe we ought to do something about it. And that doesn't mean that we run away from the world. It means that we leverage all that we are to be a part of something eternal and bigger than ourselves. To say, man, I'm building in eternity. Paul, he talks about it so much. How hay, wood, and stubble will just be burned up. But what is it that we're, that we're building in the kingdom? Don't build where moths will eat it away, where things will waste away. And yet at every turn, we're in that tension because we're immersed in the culture. What are you building? Where are you building? It's a popularity, influence, finances, your occupation. The list goes on. And here's the deal. These are not evil things. Don't mishear me. I'm not saying, run away, quit your job tomorrow. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, disengage from all the things in society. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about, what are you building in those environments? In other words, are you going to those places, building alongside everyone else? Being like, oh yeah, we're the best, right? Are we awesome? This is all about us. What it is that we can do, instead of leaning in and realizing, this is an opportunity for me to have a sphere of influence 
influence, where God can use my voice to do something eternal. That the gospel can be spoken in these places that no one else can speak them, but God has placed me strategically. Lord, would you use me? Would you use me to build something eternal, something lasting, a place where people can find hope and peace in you? So don't run away from those things. I think, I know, there is scriptural evidence for people of God to be present in the marketplace, to be present on teams. You love sports? Play sports. You gifted to be in sports? Then do it. I'm not saying that's, that's evil. No. I'm saying go into those places. Do that, but go there on a mission. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that you're there to just play the same game everyone else is. Go in as an influencer, speaking truth and hope, and realize this is an opportunity for you to be present and part of the, the narrative, the meta-narrative of the truth of the gospel that's being woven all throughout our society, and say, listen, I'm part of it. And so therefore, it becomes way easier. The things that we talk about in context of generosity, it becomes so much easier to lean in with our time, our talent, and our treasure and say, oh, I get it. I get it. You want all of me. You want all of me. And, and actually, I experience the most joy when I give you all of me. Because suddenly there's no tension. There's no game. I'm out of the race. I'm not fighting. I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm fully loved. I'm fully accepted. There's no pain. There's no struggle. I can come into this place with confidence and peace because God has accomplished that which only He can accomplish. And I'm an agent of change strategically sent to this place. It's an entirely different perspective. And it's a, a perspective that is so important because we are all building. We're all building. The question is, where are you building? Does it matter in eternity? Are you building your faith? Are you building your prayer life? Are you wrestling with the things of God? Are you up at night not trying to watch one more Netflix episode. Not, not trying to, to do that work to get that promotion. But are you, are you sitting at night praying that God would do a work in your family? Are you praying over your kids? Are you praying over your grandchildren? Are you praying over your workplace? Are you kept up at night journaling about what it is that God's placed in your heart? What, what is it that you could do to be a part of what it is that He is doing in this and surrounding communities? Are, are you... Building something eternal. That's totally different. Don't get me wrong. I hope it's not that different. <laughs> I hope it's not an epiphany to all of us. I hope there are some people that have been following Jesus long enough to understand that what I'm talking about is really just reorienting. Saying, right, I got distracted. I want to build things that are eternal. Because there might come a time and a moment in your life, in a moment's notice, a very small thing will happen and a door will open. And the question is, have you been building your faith enough to walk through the door and believe for something eternal beyond what you ever imagined? That you can stand back and say, only God. Only God. Have you been low? Just low to sleep. Have you been sidelined? Not because of wickedness. Not because of your propensity to sin or anything that depraved. But simply... Well, to sleep to the point where you're just not even a factor in eternity. God opens the door, you don't even see it. Just walk right past divine appointments. But your wallet's getting thicker. 
the promotions you're getting. You've just been lulled to sleep. Just going through the motions. The best way to marginalize an opponent is for them to believe that they're okay. You want to you make people become passive? Provide for them. Nothing to worry about. Hey, things are good. It's good. I want to challenge you that you are in the midst of a spiritual battle. Is it possible that you have fallen for comfort and lost the impact of eternity because you've become obsessed in building the things that do not matter? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm simply sounding the alarm and saying, hey, in this holiday season, when the whole world is saying, buy more, spend more, do more, it's about you, it's about what you can get, it's about just be a giver. Be a giver. Philanthropic activity, things that make us feel good but have no impact in eternity. Would you just maybe sit back and think, what am I building? Where does God want me to build? Are you anticipating a fresh wind of God in your life? to do something as we approach a new year that is unlike any year previous. Where we're able to look back at the end of 2024 and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe I got to be part of what God did. We say every week that the text requires something of us, and this week is no different. The, The question I want you to consider is this, where is God asking me to build? Where is God asking me to build? I want to welcome you to, to bow your heads as you consider that question and the worship team will make their way forward so that we can respond to this in worship in just a moment. But with every head bowed and if you'd like your eyes closed just so that you're not distracted as they make their way forward, is it possible that for you where God's asking you to build requires you to stop building your own kingdom and maybe surrender to the fact that Jesus paid the price for you, and it's time to ask him to be the Lord and leader of your life. If that's you today, I'm going to let you know that there's nothing super spiritual. There's no specific words that need to be repeated. It's simply an acknowledgement of that which Jesus has done on the cross for you, and a willingness to pray something along these lines. Lord, I'm a sinner, but you died for my sins. Would you come and be the Lord and leader of my life? you forgive me. If you pray a prayer somewhere along those lines, it begins a relationship with you and Jesus, a submission of your heart to his sovereignty and the willingness to say, okay, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And if you're praying that prayer and you're in this space, we'd love to talk to you about the next steps. I'll be at the next steps area in the back of the room and we can talk about that. There will be others that come up to me. You can feel free to come up and, and talk about what God has next. <clears throat> We'd love for this not to be just a momentary or emotional decision. If you're watching online, live right now, and you've prayed that prayer, you can click a request prayer and go to a private chat with one of our pastors. and They'll be able to talk to you about what your next steps could be as you learn what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you're watching or listening later on, you can always reach out to us via email or through our website. We'd love to walk alongside you. For those of you that have prayed that prayer before, you're a follower of Jesus, you can say, you know, I'm, I'm doing all that I can to build the kingdom of God. Then to you, 
I want you to consider where, where is God asking you to build? Is it in some spiritual discipline? Have you been so lulled to sleep that you just, you haven't leaned in to the spiritual disciplines of, of regularly praying, of regularly spending time in God's Word? Of regularly evaluating what it is that God might even be whispering to your life. Like you're so busy, you just don't even remember the last time you were just still. You just heard the voice of God and said, man, I'm going to take a God risk. What was the last time you took a God risk? Not a comfort risk, those are easy. We all take those. No, a God risk. Something that the world would look at and go, that makes no earthly sense. And yet the smile of heaven is all over him. And the ripple effect in eternity cannot be denied. When was the last time you weren't lulled to sleep with the cares of this world and the culture that's pressing in on us, but instead you leveraged all that you were to do something eternal? I want to challenge you. Think about where God is asking you to build. And if you're there and you're saying, listen, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in, I've been doing that, I'm, I would go through that motion, my spiritual disciplines are strong, I'm leaning in, I'm trying to hear the voice of God, then to you I would say, is God asking you to build spiritual influence? Is it time to leverage the spheres of influence that you're in to have an eternal impact? Say, man, I, I know these people, God's placed me there, maybe it's so I would have a voice. And I don't, I don't mean some creepy activist, like angry voice that misrepresents the heart of God. No, I'm talking about a balanced heart of influence that's like, God loves you. Let me tell you my story. You're hurting, but you know what? I know that hurt. Let me tell you about how God walked me through that. Is it okay if I share what God did in my life? Maybe it's the simplicity of an invitation to a Christmas gathering where most of humanity is comfortable at least being invited. Maybe it's just as simple as an invitation in this season. I don't know. But I want to challenge you. Don't just leave this place without wrestling with the thought of what it is that you're building. I want you to walk with joy. I want you to be filled with hope. I want you to look back and say, I can't believe I got to be a part of that. And we've had a lot of those moments in the True Center way. And I know that we will have more of them as the seasons go on. And I want you to be a part of it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we declare ourselves available for God risks. Available and anticipating you doing what it is that only you can do. Lord, we want to be ready to walk through the doors that you open. We want to be agents of change. People of grace and mercy. And so, Lord, we worship you today. Not because we're on a mountaintop. But because you're worthy to be praised, even in the valleys. And so we will worship you in spirit and in truth. Let it be a sweet sound to your ear. Let's worship the Lord together. Would you stand with us? Just in three songs. Go right along with the message today. Submit the new
that you won't leave us or forsake us. That you're not going to fail us. That that which we need, you will provide. And that we can rest in your timing and in your sovereignty. That we can find peace and strength in that which you have done and who you are, not in the circumstances of the situation we find ourselves in. And so we speak that to our soul today. We speak that over ourselves and we, we thank you, God, for who you are, for that which you've done. And we pray that as we leave this place, we would participate in that which you are building. We would do what only we can do and rest in you doing only what you can do. So I pray that you would go with us as we go our separate ways. Bring us together safely next week so that we gather together and celebrate that which you've done. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. back to the uh, Grace Choir con- uh, concert that will be this afternoon at 3 o'clock. And uh, otherwise, if you choose not to, we will see you next Sunday uh, at our regular time. I'm looking forward to it. You're not going to want this. It's going to be a great service. And don't worry, I fixed my microphone after I was done preaching. God bless you as you go.